Hi, welcome to the second edition of Lockdown Culture. This is a weekly podcast that is produced by me, Ed Vasey, the culture editor, no less, of Country and Townhouse magazine. And I'm Charlotte Metcalf, and I'm the associate editor of Country and Townhouse magazine. Every week, Charlotte and I try and find some interesting things online that we hope will entertain people during lockdown from the world of theatre, classical music, the visual arts books or anything else that takes our fancy. So we're going to start uh, this week's podcast with books. Charlotte? Uh, Yes, well, I've been absolutely fascinated this week by the How To Academy, which is really worth looking at online because what you can see there is lots and lots of really interesting interviews with authors. And over the last week or two, I've seen all sorts of fascinating things, including a very interesting interview with Elizabeth Gilbert, who has a new book out called City of Girls. And Elizabeth Gilbert famously wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And I was probably one of the only people in the world who wasn't a great fan of that book. Nor Um, was I. Oh, well, there you go. But I suggest you have a look at this How To Academy, because that interview, it really changed my mind about Elizabeth Gilbert. She was really, really moving about her life. She's had a very interesting life um, because the man she married in Eat, Pray, Love, she left him for her best friend who then died. And she was just fantastically courageous the way she was talking about it. And it really made me like her and want to buy her book. So there was that. And then there was a really interesting interview between Hadley Freeman, whose new book is House of Glass and has been much touted, and Philippe Sands about his new book, Ratline. And you like Philippe Sands, don't you, I know, Ed? Well, I'm a fan of Philippe Sands' East West Street, which are a book I read a couple of years ago, having borrowed it off my mother. It's a fascinating account of him trying to find out about the life of his maternal grandfather when he goes to give a lecture in Ukraine, which sparks off his interest in discovering the background of his maternal grandfather who came from Ukraine. And it ends up being a wonderful sort of um, going full circle because Philip Sands is an international human rights law and it becomes an analysis of how effectively human rights law came out of obviously the terrible war crimes committed by the Nazis uh, during the Second World War because people uh, sort of one degree of separation from his grandfather were the people who created the uh, laws about genocide and so on that culminated in the Nuremberg war crimes. And now his latest book published this month is called The Rat Line, which is a, um, an, an analysis of the uh, of a Nazi war criminals uh, fl- fleeing from justice. The Rat Line is a reference to uh, the escape route from Europe to Argentina that was used by so many uh, Nazis to try and escape uh, justice. So given that East West Street was a fantastic uh, read. I'm sure the rat line is going to be just as worthy. It's just out, so presumably you can order it from any good online uh, bookseller. But I like, I'm going to go and look at the How To Academy because um, it is, again, part of the theme, obviously, of the whole lockdown culture podcast is the fact that everything we're used to going to physically in person is now online. And I was intrigued to see, for example, that my friends at the Riverside Studios, a place I adore and where I grew up, uh, are also holding uh, literary evenings every Thursday night. They had William Dalrymple last week. I don't know who they're having this week. But again, it's worth uh, looking around on the web for literary salons that are no doubt taking place online, left, right and centre. 
Yes, and do just just one last thing about the How To Academies that tonight they've got a really interesting talk with Ingrid Betancourt, who famously was the Colombian candidate who was held hostage by FARC guerrillas for six years. So she's talking about how to cope with really serious isolation. Um, and with she's in conversation with Oliver Chittenden. So that's certainly worth a look at. And they've got all sorts of and, other... And Ol- Ol- Oliver, Ch- Oliver Chittenden is somebody I know a bit. He uh, He's founded a wonderful uh, website called Head Talks, which is about um, talking to people about how they coped with uh, depression and mental health issues. And it's obviously... A very good thing for people who uh, might have to cope with these issues to hear how others have tried to address them. Yes, and they've also got just a um, couple of other things to look out for on the How To Academy is Will Self talking about Kafka, if you want to get really intellectual. And I was once interviewed by Will Self. <laughs> Were you? How did that go? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. It was such a terrifying experience. It was a bizarre experience. I was interviewed for something like the House magazine when I was an MP. They decided that Will Self should interview me. Uh, I've no idea if it even ever came out, actually, come to think of it. Or maybe I was interviewing him. Anyway, I just have this extraordinary memory. Maybe it's a sort of, maybe it's a fake memory, but I definitely, I definitely had a situation when I, either I was interviewing or Will Self was interviewing me. But I blanked it out. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Anyway, shall we talk about music now? Yes, sort of clunking, uh, clunking gear change. This is um, <laughs> this is slightly worthy on my part. <laughs> slightly worthy in terms of my desire to help all of you out there. Uh, it's called uh, Classical One Hundred. So it's a website, and the website is classical and then a hundred in uh, numerals rather than letters. Classical One Hundred dot org, and it's a com- It's an alliance between uh, Decca. Uh, Classic FM, the classical music channel, and uh, the associated boards of the Royal School of Music. Uh, And it's basically 100 pieces of music spanning a 1,000 years. It's basically an online classical music education course, which is designed for primary school pupils. So it's just at about my level. (laughs) And uh, they've made it now available to everyone. You used to only be able to access it if you were a primary school teacher for your little uh, charges, but now anyone can go on it, although it's immensely complicated. You have to pretend you're a primary school. You have to go and register. You have to pretend you're a primary school by typing in the virtual school ABRSM London, although apparently when you start typing, it fills it in for you. And there's also a video, amazingly, uh, with a woman called Sarah Walker on Vimeo. You have to go and watch the video because there's so much material on this website because you can, uh, you know, put composers together by genre, uh, by uh, centuries and so on and so forth. You can create little classical music lessons uh, for yourself uh, and you have to watch this video in order to understand it. Anyway, it's all a bit clunky and it's all a bit worthy, but I think if you can't be bothered to learn the piano while you're in lockdown, this is probably the next best thing. Did you tell me that they had music going back a thousand years or something? I... Yes. Uh, don't ask me how that works. <laughs> clearly, they found they found some ancient uh, some ancient Anglo-Saxon hymn or something. 
that they've uh, recreated. I'm not saying they recorded it a thousand years ago. But please feel free to tell us if you get very cross with it and very cross with Ed for giving you such a complicated website to go on to. But it obviously... Now, Charlotte, you're <laughs> feeling quite smug. You're feeling quite <laughs> smug because you you highlighted the virtual tour of Machu Picchu yes, I... last week. And apparently lots of people have... Um, written in say it's been fantastic well they did and actually the, which, which, which I'd really like to say uh, thank you to everybody who listened last week a lot of you did in fact we had listeners from all over the world um, Africa Europe America and Bennington School girls school seniors <laughs> um, it's the old the old girls of Bennington have put this uh, podcast on their website I didn't know the old girls of Bennington did have a website but we are on it we've also had the head of an Oxford college email us to say how much he uh, enjoyed it. There we go. So um, thank you very much, everybody, for listening last week. And you did say you like the virtual tour of Machu Picchu. So I've looked out for something else that we can watch from isolation or another amazing journey we can take. And um, thanks to my friend Steve Cooper, I've come up with another one, which is a virtual tour of the Great Wall of China, um, which I think it, you go onto a website called thechinaguide.com. And it's rather wonderful because it's not very clunky. You can just you can decide what direction you want to go in, press the button. It takes you off on this amazing walk along the wall. And, and I rather. So it's like it's like Google Street View for the Great Wall of China. It is. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> And, then and we, you love it. I love it. And I, I, probably, I probably won't like it, but no doubt millions of people will write in <laughs> next week to say what a great discovery it was. But I discovered for my virtual tour, because I want to get in on this, uh, my virtual tour, I discovered an, an Apple promotion. Um, so Apple are obviously very proud of their new iPhone, and they have gone to the Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg, which I visited when I was 17, when it was Leningrad. And they have done a virtual tour in a sort of Martin Scorsese style. So it's done all with an iPhone, but it's one continuous shot uh, going through the 58 galleries of the Hermitage. I think it's five hours and 19 minutes. And and, and it's five hours and 19 minutes long, exactly. But they have managed – it is actually very, very beautiful and rather mesmerising. But I think you and I both agree there's something also slightly weird about it. There is this very annoying ballerina. You know how the Russians just <laughs> have to have a ballerina in everything. And even, you know, the, yeah. the uh, did you see that thing, the, the Russian ballet corps? Um, at one point, they were all doing little ballet performances in their own homes during lockdown for the public because Russians oh, yes. can't go a day without watching ballet, apparently. so. But the Hermitage <laughs> thing is very, very wonderful, except for this ran- these random ballet dancers that keep appearing in really odd dances. But it does actually, having said I visited the Hermitage at 17, it reminds me that without doubt, the best exhibition I ever saw uh, when I was the Minister for Culture was uh, this extraordinary exhibition at Houghton Hall. Houghton Hall is uh, Robert Walpole's, uh, the first British prime minister, 18th century prime minister, his country house in Norfolk, uh, now uh, owned by the Marquis of Chumley, who's the very tall man you'll see walking backwards in front of the Queen when she opens Parliament. That's Black Rod. Black Rod, wasn't he? He's the top top herald. He's not Black Rod. He's the top herald. What was he? And and he's the top herald. And um, so, anyway, that's irrelevant to what my story. 
but what happened was that Robert Walpole's uh, son sold all his paintings, or most of his paintings, to Catherine the Great. So uh, we're talking approximately here, 300 years, I can't be bothered to do the maths. Uh, these paintings went off to Russia. And this was the first time that they had come back to Houghton Hall. And it was absolutely amazing. But the best bit was that when I, I, I was invited to come and open it as the minister, and they said, would you like to come and stay? And I did come and stay. And some of the other people there who were very grand patrons of the arts were shown to their rooms, which were huge suites of, you know, master bedrooms and living rooms and so on. And I was shown to what, in my rather grand and pompous way, I thought was a little bit of a pokey little room. I thought, <laughs> well, I, you know, it's a, bit, it's a bit demeaning for the minister to be in this pokey little room. And uh, at dinner that night, I sat next to the uh, Marcus Chumley's wife, and she turned to me and she said, how are you enjoying staying in Robert Walpole's bedroom? So it turned out that he had a little bedroom off his study, which is where he stayed. So that absolutely made it. And I've never forgotten uh, that Size weekend. Size is not what matters, amazing. Ed. And it was <laughs> incredible. Exactly. It's the quality <laughs> and the heritage that counts. Not the size, yes. Anyway, <laughs> it's enough of your crudity. Art. Finally, we want to talk, while we're talking about the visual arts, I also took um, possession of a unique artwork. Well, there are only 1,500 in existence. It's a wonderful poster created by the great British artist, Jeremy Della, who has uh, created a poster saying, thank God for immigrants, which is in response, obviously, to... Uh, what has become increasingly apparent during this pandemic, how dependent we are on first, second generation immigrants who uh, have come to our country and now are doing such incredible work in the NHS. And it is, I think, symptomatic. It's lovely to have this poster, which I put in my window. Uh, but it's also symptomatic, I think, of how, to a certain extent, artists are reacting to the pandemic. So. If you buy Jeremy Della's poster, which is now obviously sold out, the money goes to the Trussell Trust and Refugee Action. But also my favourite site for buying contemporary art prints from well-known British artists is called Counter Editions. And they too are have got in on the act. And now if you go to Counter Editions, you can buy art from people like uh, Michael Craig Martin or Sophie von Hellerman. Again, all the proceeds go to the Trussell Trust Counter editions are based in Margate. The hashtag is with love from Margate. Uh, and again, not only do you, uh, can you avail yourself of a wonderful print, uh, but you also know that the money you're paying for it is actually going to a good cause. But enough about art. Let's talk about sex, Charlotte. <laughs> well, I think that we both decided there was just one show on television to talk about this week, and that is Normal People, um, the adaptation of Sally Rooney's book. And it we both just think it's fabulous, don't we? We do, and I'm sorry for my crude reference to sex, but actually if you read any of the, <laughs> any of the reviews, I read last week, for example, Hugo Rifkin's review of Normal People, who said where he said in the Times where he said that if you cut out all the sex scenes, you could probably get the 12... Uh, episodes down to about 45 minutes. And the point is that there's <laughs> there's a lot of sex, but the reason it's getting a lot of attention is it's very 
art, arty sex because uh, there's an intimacy coordinator has been employed and apparently uh, the sex we are going to see on in normal people is the best, most arty television sex. But I, leaving aside the sex, the acting is fantastic. The uh, way it's directed is wonderful. It's got Daisy Edgar-Jones, who I'm a big fan of because I'm a big fan of Cold Feet, where she plays one of the daughters, and Paul Meskel. And I think they are quite rightly getting loads of plaudits for their performances. Yes, and Paul Meskel, interestingly, he was at Trinity Dublin where Sally Rooney was. And he's never been on the screen before. He's he's done a lot of stage, I gather, in Dublin, but he is absolutely brilliant, I think. And I find it completely riveting. I'm fully paid up to the Sally Rooney fan club. I've read Conversations with Friends. I haven't read Normal People, but they are wonderful books. They are. They are. I've read both. I love them. And I think that this is it's so good. I, I have a fifteen year old and it 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 is so accurate the way that young people are with each other at that age at school and the way the boys hurt the girls without meaning to and it's all such a big emotional mess. It's absolutely brilliant. So we really have nothing better to talk about than that in terms of telly. It is a must watch thing this week, isn't it? Really? Yes, but we can look forward to we don't know when it's going to come out, although it's literally being made as we speak, Talking Heads, which is a remake of Alan Bennett's Talking Heads from, I think, the 1970s. It's now being remade with lots of very prominent people. The people behind it, the people who've done the deal with the BBC and Nick Heitner uh, and his gang. Nick used to run the National Theatre and is now uh, has his own theatre, the London Bridge uh, Theatre, which is a brand new spanking theatre. And he has put together a roster of fantastic directors and actors. One of the directors is Josie Rourke, who I know a bit because she used to run the Bush Theatre, which is my local theatre where I live in London. And in fact, and I, mine. In, indeed. And when I was the opposition culture spokesman, the Arts Council under a Labour government did a terrible funding round. It wasn't actually the Labour government's fault. And they actually cut off the funding of the Bush Theatre, which has an amazing pedigree. And uh, I was lucky enough to help Josie uh, not only campaign for her to get her money back from the Arts Council, but also uh, get the Bush Theatre to move to a new premises where it continues to thrive. Oh, it's in a wonderful library now on the Upford Road. It's exactly. a really, really good theatre, I agree. But we sadly, we can't go to it at the moment. Um, but we can look for... And Josie, Josie is directing Jodie Comer. We talked about Killing Eve in our last week's no, but podcast. I know. Kristen I mean, Thomas no. is one of the actors. No, but don't don't delay. Else? We know who's in it. That's why you really wanted to talk about it. <laughs> uh, well, the editor of Country Townhouse wants to refer to Tamsin Gregg as my crush. She's not actually my crush. I'm sure she'll be mortified to think she was my crush. But I just do find it quite amusing that I now cannot turn on the telly and watch anything I like without Tams and Greg being in it. So as I said, I, in my last in the last podcast, I signed up as a fully paid up fan of Belgravia, which you were very snooty about. <laughs> a fully paid I'm up afraid fan of... I'm afraid. Lots Mon- of listeners agreed with me. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> and a fully paid up fan of Monday night, Friday night dinner, which actually got a lot of people saying here, here to that. Turns out Friday night dinner is an absolute cult programme. People literally do have their Friday night dinner and then watch Friday night dinner. And now, guess what? She's in Nick Heitner's, as I suppose we should refer to it, 
talking heads. And of course, Nick Heitner has worked with Alan Bennett over many, many years. If you read his memoirs and his his friendship and working relationship with Alan Bennett is, is one of the things that shines through. So that is something to look forward to. I keep, because I follow Josie on Instagram, I know that she's just directed Jodie Cromer and I'm sure that we can see it on our screens very soon. The BBC better rush it because we are all in lockdown and we want more new things. So that is it for uh, lockdown culture this week. We try and keep this to 20 minutes, but next week, I think, Charlotte, we are going to try and have some guests. We won't say who they are, uh, but we're going to try and have a couple of guests, so it might be slightly longer. It will, and if you'd like to email us, please email us. We now have an email address, which is lockdownculture at countryandtownhouse.co.uk. And if you enjoy this episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast app. Now, if you want more ideas, if this podcast wasn't enough for you, please visit countryandtownhouse.co.uk where you can sign up to the daily good newsletter, which is fantastic because it brings you positive stories from across the world. It will help keep your spirits high in these uncertain times. It's also a fantastic website because it's a fantastic magazine, but it's obviously digital at the moment. So countryandtownhouse.co.uk. Start your morning with a strong espresso and countryandtownhouse.co.uk.